0: Welcome back to Chit Talk,
1: where we talk about really good shits. My name is Annika.
0: And my name is Ruthu.
1: Follow us on our socials, here to Chit Talk and Instagram, for
0: sneak previews, audio clips, and more. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Let's dive in.
1: Hello, hello hello welcome back to another episode of chit talk thank you so much for all the support the past few weeks with our new episodes featuring exciting guests and through the week when we went dark to amplified melanated voices for black lives matter we actually have yet another amazing guest today sierra wilson fur who i have actually known since first year university And we also volunteered at Pemberton Music Festival together, which was a ton of fun. But most recently, she's been writing for screen, cultivating and directing creative projects. And I know that she has a potential short film or music video in the works as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sierra. It's been awesome. I know we had some technical difficulties to start off with, but thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank
2: you so much for having me. I think that yeah. the natural mode is, you know, a little bit of craziness, a little bit of chaos, it
1: yeah. makes everything <laughs> work out in the end. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Third time's the charm, hey?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, I'm like oh. I'm anxious sweating right now hoping that nothing goes wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're just really excited to have you on board this week's episode cuz you know, we just think that you're you're so interesting and you're, you know, creating so many different things right now and you're in the works of like so many awesome things and we just want to showcase that on our platform and showcase that with other people who are tuning in. We just want to know a little bit more about you and your story and how you came to Vancouver and and what your background is like. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. um, I
2: know that you guys both grew up in Asia as well. We have that
1: in common. yeah I um, so I'm also kind of a
2: TCK but that's totally like I also can't identify with that at all. I was born in Canada. I was born in Toronto but all of my family's US only. So I was in Toronto, I was in Chicago, I was uh, in a suburb outside of Seattle, where both of my brothers were born, just kind of like run of the mill stuff. And then we moved to England when I was 10, um, which was like always my dream. And then we lived in Switzerland. And then I was a total shit disturber and got sent to uh, to boarding school in Utah. And then when I finished (laughs) that, my family, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, my family's really, I had grown into me i think that they've like finally learned to like really appreciating or really appreciate having a socialite daughter but um (laughs) yeah and then i was in (laughs) boarding school and then i moved to shanghai and i did 11th and 12th grade there in ib and i was briefly in beaverton oregon and came up to vancouver for school and seven years Mm -hmm.
1: strong that's crazy okay so how many countries is that in the past 10 years
2: 10 years. I mean, mostly three in the past 10 years. Cause like, it's just insane. The amount of time that's gone by since, you know, first year.
1: Yeah. 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 That's pretty crazy when you think about it. (laughs) That's awesome though. Like how, so you've lived in these different countries and you've absorbed all these different cultures. How has living in different countries influenced the way you think or write or create the work that you do?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to be so cognizant of other people's experiences and I try Mm. to be as respectful as I can to that. And I think that there's something in being a privileged person that's traveling the world and being able to experience other people's spaces and kind of take up space there, take up land there, even, you know, temporarily. I I feel like, you know, I I was able to recognize my privilege while I was growing up Mm -hmm. and sometimes more so than the people that I was around. Um, So I I tried to kind of implement just a general empathy and understanding for people um, in my day-to-day life. And that was something that my dad always instilled in us, um, Mm -hmm. which I think was really important. And, you know, seeing the world through that lens and trying to be somebody that didn't take it for granted in the moment or, or recognized, you know, I have these opportunities, I'm going to have to do something with them. Also, you know, traveling and spending so much time in planes and boats and cars and whatever, I learned how to be by myself. And I read a lot of books and I watched a lot of movies and I became really ing- ingrained in stories, um, mm-hmm. whether it's my own or other people's. Uh, that's kind of the birth of a writer and an artist you just want to uh you know reflect the world through your lens
1: absolutely yeah Yeah. that's incredible and like do you feel like you have a better understanding and appreciation for these different cultures and would you like you know use them in your work as well I mean I definitely hope so but also I mean I think just
2: in general kind of where I'm at in terms of screenwriting these things right now is like, mm-hmm. and this has been on my mind, I, as much as I want to write stories and make movies and do these things, there have been so many stories by people that look like me and it's just not the time. Like I, you know, I would love to impart what I have to say on the world. Like I think it's a lot more important to be representing other people right now. I, I haven't been feeling, I, I was able to tell myself like, you don't need to figure it all out right now learn from other people. And I think right now, especially there's something in people that haven't had, when you don't, when you don't have an immediate ladder somewhere, or if you have a problem and you need to figure out a solution and there isn't an immediate way of doing that, your brain creates different pathways and you find different ways of doing things and you become innovative and that's how Mm -hmm. things grow and become cooler. And so I think that right now where we've just been seeing the same people making the same movies over and over and over. Once we start to integrate other people's voices and give uh, a voice to people that haven't had that opportunity, um, we're going to see a lot of innovations in movie and media um, in general. So as much as I'd like to do my own thing, I think that I'm better served right now to just like boost other people and do what I can to see other people's uh, stories and lives come come to realization on the
1: screen. So tell us a little bit more about the projects that you worked on in the past and like current projects that you're working on as well. So I got into film just fully by fluke. Um I mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned that I did IB in high
2: school and yeah. IB film was the only thing that fit into my schedule. So I did that and I had a strong, strong connection to it. So I got into, you know, like editing was kind of my first love. And I, you know, made some stuff in high school and then had a hard time deciding whether or not I wanted to follow film directly right away but I came to Vancouver to do it ended up not going to film school ended up deciding to become a really good storyteller and do as much as I could there and Mm. I'm just recently now kind of getting into doing more projects so I did a project with both of you um like you You did yeah right before COVID it's so funny because while we were doing I was like so anxious and I was like oh maybe we should delay it a couple of weeks and thank God I'm so
1: glad we didn't (laughs) Yeah. Could you possibly imagine if we had postponed that? (laughs) Yeah, right. And it's crazy, too, because, well, I mean, that project, I look forward to it coming
2: out. um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of the work that I do. So a big thing for me is like, I didn't grow up fitting in. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that, like a lot of the things that, you know, like I got made fun of for um, as a kid have become, you know, in my interest now. But I think, you know, what I'm saying too, about like, you know, having to innovate and everything, a lot of what I'm working on, like, it doesn't really have a space right now. So I'm I'm really kind of pro creating your own space. When I'm talking, I'm talking about like the project that we worked on, like, it was originally going to be a music video. And then it turns out it costs $10,000 to buy the rights to a song. And so it became something different. And (laughs) (laughs) part of the reason that we haven't done much with it yet is because we just, you know, they're still trying to find how that fits into the world. So that was uh, a project a little while ago. I am currently doing like script, script consulting, worked on a couple of people's pilots where they just say, Hey, can you make it funnier? And I say, yeah, but really, what we're going to do is reevaluate the relationships and recognize that humor comes from um, circumstance and from dynamics. And it's a lot more than just putting a gag here and a gag there if we want to make it really strong. So, I worked on somebody's pilot under that pretext uh, a couple months ago. And I was brought on, if we're given a grant, we're going to do a couple more episodes uh, towards the end of the summer, which is exciting. But then on my own projects, like I'm trying to, I'm looking for people to collaborate with right now. I want to get more hands on experience. I'm just kind of, Making videos with my friends. My my goal this summer is to bank a lot of like video material and then okay. really go to town editing when it gets gross. Like I want to be a really good filmmaker, but mm-hmm. I want to also like no sound and no color theory and know all these things. So I feel like I'm in this like cocooning stage where I'm trying to learn as much as I can, and
1: I'll be a filmmaker when the time is right. That's that's in so future. incredible, and I think I think that's so inspiring because. Obviously, filmmaking, there are just so many different components involved, right? You can't just be like one person who does it all. I mean, I guess you can. There are like a ton of people who do that. But it's just it's so hard because it's not just a one man job, right? Because it's about collaborating and like working with other people because everyone's just working together to put their knowledge, you know, into one place and create this beautiful artwork. But I think it's so inspiring that, you know, I took my hat off to you because recently with a recent project that you did, you, you created the whole, like um, you create the script, you did, you know, organize the, the makeup, concept. the concept. Yeah. It was just, it was incredible. Tell us a little bit more about that. And, well, like, the of idea all, involved.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. I mean, that came from, like I said, like I wanted to, I felt like film school and not to knock anybody that's in film school like there's a lot of people doing great things but I feel like the way that you're trained in that is to make movies for other people and that Mm -hmm. just didn't really I take direction well but I much prefer to like have full reign of my my own stuff so I pursued I did a degree in creative writing at UBC and then I also did a second major in English literature and then the project that we did um, a little while ago was what I call film school installation one (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) where I just want to, you know, put my own projects together and surround myself with people that know more than I do. That is my always ultimate goal. And to bring people in that I think will make cool work together. A big process with that as well was I wanted it to be like an all female crew. Mm-hmm. and what I found was interesting while putting that together was people were saying like oh you shouldn't sacrifice your art just because you can't find like the person you want for this and I was like no that's I know that there's a female sound recorder somewhere in Vancouver just mm-hmm. because she's not the first person that comes up on Google doesn't mean that she doesn't exist like you just right. have to like dig yeah and I feel yeah. like that's a philosophy for filmmaking in general right now the concept also came from wanting to show female relationships in a different space. A lot of it was, I had a couple of friends that I really just wanted to see together on screen. Um, And then I have a really, two really talented friends that I was working on uh, photo shoots with, Hina and Joyce. And we wanted to do a project before Hina left back to Japan. And Joyce is an amazing makeup artist who I hope you guys all see her work very soon. I mean, you both have. But it was really just kind of working backwards where it was, you know, I have these people, I have these other people I want to work with. What's something that will showcase everybody's skills in the best way possible in a free space in a restaurant that I work in? Um, (laughs) And uh, developed a story
1: from there. Yeah, and it was just so great to see everyone's, everyone just working together so so well. And everyone just like meshed well together. And Rithu, you did an excellent job with like art direction. Oh, and photography thank you. Too, thank you. So. I really
0: appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I was I was so I was so excited to come on board because I didn't really know what was going on. I think mm. I don't even remember how this came about. I either I talked to you, Annika, and then you mentioned it. And then I took I talked to Sierra about it. Yeah. Sierra, you were just like, we need another photographer. I was like, hell yeah, let's get on board. <laughs> and it was so cool because for me as an as an artist as a person that works in many different avenues i'm a very visual person and my focus on this was making it look as interesting and as captivating and engaging as possible mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't really know too much of like how much how much experience you had but i was so happy to collaborate with you and just really see how you worked and the story behind everything and Really, just work with a bunch of women, and I'm so glad you did not sacrifice working sacrifice the art for the sake of mm-hmm. like not having the person that you wanted or whatever that person said. yeah, yeah.
2: no, and thank you again. I mean like it was so mm-hmm. cool, and that's the same thing where it's like you know surround yourself by people that know more than you do, like Rithu like you had such a different like and especially too, I think like when you're in your head, and this is mm-hmm. why film is such like it's it, critical to be collaborative because you get in your head, you wrap yourself into it. And then somebody else comes and they're like, no, it's much more simple. And here I have this idea. And you're like, Oh my God, thank God you're here. Like, um, yeah, (laughs) you killed it. Like, I didn't actually realize, like, I knew that you were a photographer, but I didn't realize that you were so skilled and it was cool. Uh, I think like right before and afterwards, we'd talked more about your experiences. So it was just
1: such like a shining moment to have you have you there
2: look forward to eventually putting these in this workout. <laughs> oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to
1: see the, uh, the final product too. And like, yeah. again, I just want to say like Ruthie, you do an excellent job with finding the right moments and also finding the, the relationship between two people and then making that connection look even stronger on
0: the other side of the lens as well, which is pretty, pretty incredible. So, well, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. I mean, like I, I want to i f I wanna I wanna chalk it up to genetics. I'd like to thank my dad for this. <laughs> um so I, I I mean like that's what really inspired me to pick up the mm-hmm. camera in the first place because my dad was the in charge of his college photography club. Like he has been doing old school film in like dark rooms and all that kind of stuff. And then I always wanted to pick up a camera after him. And we got our first DSLR together. And I started taking pictures from pretty much when I was like 14, like Mm. actually doing it on my own. And then I racked up. These skills, and I know how difficult it is to put together a project. Like, I had an idea of a series that I wanted to do, which Annika is well aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did one, but you know, with unforeseen circumstances and budgetary issues, I was unable to do it in full. It's, it's so, so hard. <laughs> it's so expensive for sure. And I, Sierra, I'm sure you know how expensive it can get. Oh, yeah.
2: It's expensive. And I did it on like budget wise too. Like, I yeah. did it, like on the cheap, and it was expensive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just want to dump, jump in there and say like, I definitely think it's a dad hobby as well, because my dad was huge into like <laughs> Flickr. And like, we got like our Nikons as well. And we would just go off like cycling and then just taking photos at the same time. So I think it's definitely mm-hmm. like a, I wouldn't say it's, a, I don't know if it's a genetic thing for me. but Maybe it's a it's dad thing. Like a, it's a dad <laughs> thing for sure. <laughs>
2: I think too, it's just like, it's cool to see in your adult life, the things that you mm-hmm. were interested in as a kid or like exposed to as a kid, how they, they yes. usually come back in some way. And it's like, Definitely. I feel like it does really ingrain itself in you. Um, mm-hmm. even if you like put it to a side and like, dad, I'm not going to be a
1: photographer. I'm not going to follow your dream. <laughs> like eventually
2: like, <laughs> I'm a photographer at heart.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I would love to hear a little bit more about the, the projects that you're working at, at the moment, if you're able to talk about them. I got hired kind of
2: corporate writing job right before COVID, which was insane. Like the timing of it was uncanny. So I got really, really lucky. Like actually the day that everything really started, everybody started to take things seriously, which has been cool because I'm learning skills and, you know, editing um, and learning some graphic design and doing all those kinds of things. And if I wanted to stay in that line, then I totally could. But the more that I'm in it, the more that I know that I really want to pursue art you know, the way that things are, now's a good time to learn as much as you can, whether that's director studies or um, picking up new skills. My big thing right now is figuring out social media. I am so invested in talking about taboo subjects and like Mm -hmm. making them not taboo, but talking about those things on social media in like two people that aren't used to hearing it, like takes some warming up for them, you know, like you kind of have to like be sly about it and not Mm. come off too strong, which is not, not my forte. I'm, I'm pretty, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I have a lot of energy, but yeah. So that's, that's been my big thing, kind of figuring out how, um, to talk with the world about things. And I'm glad that it's coming at a time where we are really reevaluating structures of what we've been taught who taught us that who decided that things were going to be that way who decided that we weren't going to talk about that females weren't allowed to talk about their sexuality
1: like why is that
2: I think that's super
1: interesting yeah I think you know we're all very looking forward to checking out your your works and your other things on your website and your social media platforms as well so that's super neat
0: What what kind of, I mean, there's obviously you took creative writing at UBC and you did so many different things, but I'm wondering like what really inspired you to want to commit to screenwriting because I, I also did creative writing and so did Annika actually. Mm. So, you know, we, we had our different niches and what we were interested in, but what drew you specifically towards screenwriting and writing for the screen? Is it because of the, the direct involvement with being in film and then kind of trying to connect the two so that you can really tell a story? Well,
2: also we met in a creative writing class
0: I can't even remember. I don't even remember (laughs) how we met. Like, I actually don't. It's so weird because. Basically, Sierra, Annika, and I. Um, this is actually a really cool story. We should talk about this. But Sierra, Annika, and I—we've known each other for a very long time, but mm-hmm. we didn't actually reconnect until like a couple of months ago, or like almost a year ago, actually. Yeah. When Sierra yeah. threw your half birthday, right? <laughs> um, and did. then and then when when you did that, you invited like a bunch of people together to just talk about what they're working on, what they're interested in, mm-hmm. and we were really able to reconnect and. Just build such a strong connection after all that time because we were friends, but we didn't have such a strong bond like now. I would say,
2: totally. And I, th- I think it's so cool. I mean, we've known each other for you know six and seven years, yeah. but I've, I've found this with especially with you know students at UBC where you know each other in one life, and then six years later. You've gone on different paths and strengthened skills in such different realms. Absolutely. And now, us coming together, and like we have such different experiences to, or mm-hmm. you know, skills to bring together. But, well, first of all, I want to plug the half birthday. I think it's such a great thing to celebrate, <laughs> like the half birthday party. <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> My mom. Yeah. yeah. You fully should. Okay. This is like, the case for it, too, is like, you have you're used to having your birthday in a certain season and like maybe sometimes it's in, in summer break and nobody ever shows up, or like you know beginning of the school year whatever right. bounce it back six months and you have a whole different season to play with yeah change it up yeah so the question was
0: it was talking um, about what what really drew you to screenwriting above mm-hmm. all of the other things that you worked on in terms of creative writing
2: I think I, I connected with film and that was just once I connected with film, I just like knew that that was it. And it's not to say like, I'm not, I'm, I'm a good screenwriter. I'm good with dialogue, especially, and I, but I have a lot to learn. I have, especially with structure. Like I I have a hard time with learning rules because I want to break them. And I learned that you have to learn the rules in order to break them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, always like the discipline that I have a hard time pulling myself together for but screenwriting in particular there's something about the flow of it that I love I also really love playwriting for that reason as well but I think that there's a lot that you can do in it's 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 rooted in reality but it also there's like the suspension of disbelief where you can kind of play with it and you know, anybody is just willing to buy in. I also I'm kind of in this big transition phase right now, as we all are, as the world is. But as much as I you know I, I for the longest time, I thought that I wanted to like go and write write in a writer's room and write TV that way. And I don't think that that's the case for me. Screenwriting, I find to be it's funny because like it's it's such a great medium to spend time in by yourself. But it's also really fun to work with another person and bounce ideas back and forth. Um, So I just see it as being really fluid and being something that you can do absolutely anything with. So I think that was just having an opportunity to play with rhythm, play with English. Like the English language is so ridiculous. Like there's a reason yeah. that it's hard to learn. Um, But for that same reason, it's really
0: fun to play with. The one thing that I really enjoyed about screenwriting, and I think it aligns with you too, is that you write something and it can be understood and interpreted and presented in so many different ways. Like as an actor, like you can read a script and if it's well-written, you can convey so many different feelings and emotions and really tell the story from a different, like almost different narrative with the same the same script that you write. And I think that's what I really enjoy about script writing when I did it. I think that's so interesting
1: that like all three of us come from very like theater based backgrounds because I also studied theater in IB. I did higher level theater in IB. And then I also um, in my previous work experience, I worked in like a a media slash entertainment production agency and I had the opportunity to work on two short films. And I actually did a little bit of screenwriting on the side as well for the company for like, I think it was two pilots for um, a children's book. I wasn't a huge fan about like screenwriting. I don't think screenwriting was for me at all. I don't know if it was like maybe the genre was just like not my my thing because I feel like maybe I'm not collecting the humor enough for children or like not projecting the humor the right way for for children or like it's not it would just didn't really mesh well with me I was just wondering if you had a particular genre that you really really love to to you know write for
2: well I mean something with screenwriting as well and this goes back to like breaking the rules I hate the structure of it like um (laughs) I really do like Mm -hmm. and because you know when you're in class and they're like oh you know you have to write three pages and then it's you know there's a commercial break and da 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 and whatever and there's a reason that story structure has been mapped out to work a certain way mm-hmm. but I also part of the reason that I'm not super interested in pursuing it in this capacity right now is because I want to just do my own thing and um, not have to abide by those rules or prescribed by those rules I had to uh, hire a lawyer for the contract that I signed for this uh, writing gig a little while ago, and I just was like, oh, wow. "Here's my opportunity to ask a lot of questions because you know I'm paying for it." Mm-hmm. And she broke it down, and was like, reminded me, and I knew this, but reminded me that writers have no control at so- at whatsoever, oh, yeah. whether it's in TV or if it's in movies, and that even if it, you know, like, unless you're a producer, you you have no say. And I think for the same reason, Ritu, that you love screenwriting, where it can, you know, be interpreted a million different ways. And that's, that's so cool. But the prospect too, of like writing a script and it being your baby and you putting all, you're putting all your heart and soul into it and then you sell it. And then somebody decides to change it all and you have nothing Mm -hmm. to do with it. Like, that doesn't flow with
1: me (laughs) I'm just like holding you guys so highly because like I think that screenwriting is so it's far more difficult than it actually is just because I've had some experience in the past with it as well and it's definitely not you know my suits or my forte at all
0: but um, I feel that way about comedic writing like writing stand-up I'm absolute shit at it like oh god (laughs) like It's it's a nightmare. But, you know, we all have our our strengths and weaknesses when it comes to stuff like that. But I think I think the question that Annika posed before was uh, asking what genre that you would you would be really, really drawn towards writing Mm -hmm. for the screen for.
2: I so like if I'm watching something that like what inspires me the most is like a healthy mix of comedy and drama. But I just see that as being grounded in reality. And that's an, another issue of mine with screenwriting and genres where it's like we've been seeing these lines become blurred a lot more recently. And I think that there's something really healthy in a show having really low moments and really high moments because that's just how life is. I mean, Atlanta is one of my favorite shows.
0: Insecure. Oh, have I you guys love been watching that Insecure? show. I, I love it. Insecure. No. I've been telling Annika to watch it for so freaking long, too. I have it's it so been. good. Did you watch the finale last night? I did not. So, okay.
2: I will not say anything, but like they're both, I mean, so, so good. And I mean, like, I I like to represent humanity and relationships. So, whatever being grounded in reality is, but then also, like, something that, say, like Donald Glover does in Atlanta is there'll be something like so crazy going on in the background, and you don't, you have to like tune in to notice it. And it doesn't impact the story whatsoever but so like a bit of an absurdity. Um, I also love, but so I, I really, I just like playing with conventions is, is the basis of it. I don't, I don't want to like draw myself to anything. And I mean, also like, I mean, just Donald Glover as a human is love half him. of the reason that I, yeah. oh my gosh, like what a talented yeah. person, but he's like part of the reason that I wanted to go towards art in general, because his energy, like, I, I don't know if you realize, but like, Super high energy, going in a million directions at once. I have a million things that I want to do. And I had a really hard time, you know, like figuring that out growing up because nobody knew how to handle it. I didn't see a place for it in the world. And it took a long time for me to just like learn to accept it and learn how to harness it myself. And then I like saw his work and I learned that like, oh, you, you can do a lot of different things and you don't yeah. have to assign yourself to one thing. And I think yeah. that something that writers in, you know, the current capacity tend to get stuck with is they say, okay, yeah, here is a comedy script. And they're like, cool, you're a comedy writer, go write on the sitcom. And mm-hmm. that just sucks. Like you shouldn't be pigeonholed. And that too, the, the lawyer was talking about how, yeah, basically e- exactly that you just get. You get sucked into one thing and, and then also kind of the way that like the film corporate structure works. Like I just, I feel like growing my skills in any capacity possible so I can shake things up and, uh, you know, do my own kind of productions is, uh, the best way forward.
0: Yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, because like, you know, as as a person that's also artistic and also has multiple fingers and different ties, as I'd like to say, you know, I always was told, like, you can't be a jack of all trades. Like you can't you can't do like you should really hone your skill in just one thing. And I'm like, why the fuck not like, why? Why am I not? learning more about this and this, this. And, you know, in recent events, I've been working on doing video editing myself. Um, I've been collaborating on actually producing a podcast for someone else, which is really cool as well. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know, it's just, I'm totally with you on just like saying, you know, let's, let's rebel and let's like do whatever we want. Because I mean, who, who are people to say that we need to follow the set structure of what we need to do, right? And I think, I think that the most interesting things come out of things that are innovative and that are new.
2: And I think right now, especially given that we all have so much time on our hands, it's like, I mean, and again, kind of going back to like, you know, reevaluating, you know, why we're being told to do this, this and this, the school structure, you know, only works for a very small percentage of people that it was designed for, and. I hear stories about people that went to like art schools and I'm like, that's the coolest thing I could ever possibly fathom. <laughs> so I'm like putting myself through art school right now. Yeah. There's so many things that we can learn for free on the internet. I really look forward to seeing what the world
1: comes to after all of this. Like, I feel like there's oh, yeah. going to be so
2: many cool, cool, cool things.
1: Yeah. Have you, have you come across any, you know, obstacles or challenges while you've been working in past projects or current projects that have helped you grow in in different ways or develop new skills
2: literally every day of my life i mean for for filmmaking in particular i i mean to be to be perfectly honest like i haven't done that much like hands on filmmaking like i did as a kid and i've been working on things on my own but my 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 issue is like not feeling ready I go through kind of these like cyclical phases and this it all comes back really to anxiety, but I go through these cycl- cyclical phases of wanting to learn and sponge and be really extroverted and take in as much experience as I can and then go back into my hole and cocoon and write and do my thing. And because what I've been working on, I just don't feel like the space is, is ready, is prepped for it quite yet. Um, I haven't been feeling confident to take that from my from my hard drive um, and put it online or send a script to the to one person yet because I just feel like there's a lot to to take and build and learn. But in terms of, I mean, putting together that one project, I forget that it takes a lot of planning. I forget that you can't just have an idea. And then the next day it comes to actualization and you have to rent things ahead of time. And I mean, all of that, you know, went pretty smoothly. And also both of you killed it in like setting up the lights. <laughs> that was
1: that was also like another huge fluke just because like I've done lighting and like technical things for productions, but on like a smaller scale, like I would Me never... Too do it for short films like I did in Arizona. Like I would never touch any of those. Right? Oh my God, me neither. On set who are like doing that. Skilled day day. in that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that, that's their, you know, full time job. Like that's not my full time job whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And it was, that was also like a huge learning curve for me. So that was also really fun to experience that in that space and like, you know, see everyone work together and like have a helping hand <laughs> when needed. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just, it was great to work on that project for you guys. Totally. And I think
2: like, I I see it as being also like, everything's a first pancake. I used that phrase. Do you, like I use that phrase to somebody and they didn't know what I was talking about. Okay. So first pancake is like the first Mm. pancake is is never good. It's like, there's something about like the temperature of the pan. I don't even know the stickiness, whatever. (laughs) The first pancake is always just like your munch pancake while you wait for like the pretty ones to come out. And I was so frustrated with myself growing up. I was like, why am I not good at things right away? And like, you know, it takes time. And like, I now have learned that whenever I go into something, the first time is just fully a learning experience Mm -hmm. and then you have a basis and then it's a little bit easier to do it the next time. But one of, I will say one of the biggest things that I learned from, from the last one, I also like, like I've mentioned, I have anxiety and energy to harness, but being in the center of a project like that too, there's so many other people's energies to, to work with. And you know, you're, you're, everybody's kind of relying on you and you have, you know, particular relationships with everybody so that was one thing and then also we I, I just see a gap in my calendar and I'm like cool we can fill that we were supposed to start at 9 30 p.m and we started at like to set up
1: at what 11 o'clock
0: yeah yeah but damn you Willem Dafoe like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> be
1: interrupted because he had to finish his dinner down there so
2: <laughs> yeah the last Thought of obstacle possible, so hopefully nobody
1: <laughs> else runs into that obstacle while they're putting together. Yeah, Willem
0: having having dinner at the restaurant in which you've booked. Yeah,
1: <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. That was insane, but it was just also really neat to just work the full night until like what was that three in the morning?
0: Yeah, because I've never yeah, actually really. done that
1: before for production, no. so that was just like it was it was exhausting for me like (laughs) because i don't usually stay up that late at all but me neither it was so much fun
2: thank you for doing that i think it was pumping everybody full of coffee as well
1: oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah. well like let us know when uh you need help on the next production and we'll be there. for sure yeah
0: Are there any people that you would really, really love to collaborate with? A dream collaborator? Other than us, I obviously. Think,
1: <laughs> other than you.
2: so number three and onwards. I think everybody that I want to, that I like am inspired by is just so much cooler than me. And like, I just like want to like sit and admire their their shrines for the rest of my life. But like my list is really like Donald Glover. Love him. Mm-hmm. If you know me, you know that I love him. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like the two of them, are kind of like I see them as like my screenwriting parents. But then, like Phoebe, Jenny Phoebe Sleep, Waller-Bridge
0: wrote Fleabag, right?
2: Fleabag. She did Killing Eve, and she also Killing wrote Eve. the UK show of Crashing. Okay, um nice. She's great. Phoebe Waller-Bridge with Fleabag. I mean, she it started as a one woman uh, show, and then it toured, and then it got turned into a show, and then it toured again, and then she did this like screened one woman thing but like the way that she plays with mediums with that project and you, you know seeing a character evolve and be interpreted interpreted in different ways and that is a very very cool project to follow if you haven't seen she, she yeah she did a re, like a video recording of of the one woman show with fleabag and it was very very cool but jenny slate is somebody that i feel so like funny. um have you seen stage fright no i haven't or stand up her standup special is like one of the best things like she and I think that the, the women, especially that I really look up to and admire in any of these capacities right now are women that are talking about sexuality because we haven't found that space. There's like this whole movement of like talking about sexuality in like a really sex- shocking way. And that's cool. And there's totally a space for that. But Jenny Slate, I felt like it's just like really bubbly and is able to, to talk about it in a, in a really poetic way, in a really humanistic way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, her, her special stage fright, um, I watched it and I was like, oh, she gets it. She gets me. And I watched (laughs) it like three more times in the course of like a week. And then, you know, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler shaped me. Um, Alana Glazer, Abby Jacobson, those are all my favorite girls <laughs> yeah but collaboration wise I just want to work with anybody that want wants to work with me like I'm so <laughs> keen to just like see what two minds can come together four minds can come together and create play around and and learn together and learn as we go
1: I love that yeah I, I think like you know film production is also a very white male dominated industry and you've mentioned to say the least like multitude of female writers as well What are your thoughts on the female representation in the film industry and like, how would you like to see this change and like, you know, elevate the representation of females, you know, whether they're in writing or directors? I mean, I think that I think, you know, things are going to shape, shake
2: up quite a bit right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thankfully for that, we don't have to fight as hard, (laughs) but there have been so many women that have been fighting so hard for so long. Yeah. truthfully I think that the people that we need to be like pushing forward and supporting the most right now are black females like you know like women have been we've had the lower hand for so long the black female space has had kind of the the real brunt of that and so mm-hmm. those are the people that if there's ever going to be somebody to like really take a spot that's who I would want to see in um like being represented in you know academy award directors ceremonies and things because there's so so much cool media coming out, but in terms of generally seeing people cast as well, something that I find in my work, uh, in, you know, like working on people's scripts, I say like, hey, like why don't you like write this to be a female or why don't you write this to be a person of color? And there's one aspect where like in for myself, like it's not my story to tell. I think that most stories right now, you know, like, you know, race is a big conversation right now. And that's not something that I can write for somebody different. But you can also just write a character and then cast whoever you want there, and people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. A example that I really like to go back to, to is Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien in the first of the trilogy. There's like five of them now. <laughs> that role was written for a man, really. And yeah, and I don't remember exactly the story for why Sigourney got cast. She, it, the reason is such a it, she's such a good such a good character mm-hmm. is because you're not like oh, she's a woman and this is about her being a woman leader in space. It's just like, this is a human going through these emotions. And so I think that people have a default person that they see when they're writing a script. And the reality of it is like, anybody can fill that role. So I think it's a lot
0: less hard than people think that it is. I actually have a really funny story about that. So um like I said I did theater a lot when I was younger and in my first year we did we did a play called The Drowsy Chaperone and it's basically it's a person reflecting back on on a musical that they loved when they were younger talking about the good old days and the musical set is, an, is set in the 30s or the 20s. And so there's a narrator role which is Supposed to be an old white man, and uh, guess who they cast me. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> um, and so, so I played an old. Brown woman listening to a record and talking about the musical and what it was like. And I literally spoke in monologues, like I spoke in monologues and it was crazy. But I I was so curious because, you know, when I when I auditioned, there were so many other people there. There were a lot of men there. And I was really surprised because I I honestly there were so many talented people there. I didn't think that I was going to get a role. But they pulled me aside, and they're just like, "Hey, we would love for you to be the narrator. Like, we know it's written for a man, but we would love to like have you be on board and you play the role. And I think you can do it just as well because you have you have a voice and a presence that I think aligns really well with the character. That made me feel so good, you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's an example of you know a character that can be reimagined in a different way, um, but still in the end relay the same message and same moral and same story right totally well and i
2: mean too especially if we're going to revisit stories that we've seen over and over why not recontextualize it like it's so much more interesting having you be- play that character you know like we've
0: we've never seen that before like it's that's great Let, let's talk about another example of like where they did casting for something for example annie right? The new, the new reboot of Annie, right? Annie is this orphan child who was in the play and in the original movie mocked for being a ginger. And in the reboot, they did it with, you know, a black child and it was Mm. a completely different, they still managed to hone in the feeling that the first Annie movie gave, you know, that feeling of love and wholeness that you felt with the original story. But modernize it and make it relevant to people and their issues today and that to me like I I don't know if you've ever seen it but it's so cute you guys you should watch it yeah Jamie Foxx plays uh plays the the person who takes her in yeah
2: Mm -hmm. well and but like also just going back to like we need to see more people like different people in film roles or in um in the film industry like we keep seeing the same, uh, we keep going back to like the same stories over and over or like extending like another Spider-Man movie because everybody's run out of ideas. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: open what, your eyes. <laughs> like, I feel like people are also just trying to, you know, milk the franchise and the merchandise as well. So obviously like Disney is a huge corporation. So obviously they want to create more of those narratives over and over again. But I do completely agree that we are seeing the same actors and same actresses over and over again it's nice when they like bring in new actresses, you know, and bring in different cultures at the same time. Like there's this new um, Netflix TV show, Rithu, you probably know it, but she's this like new, like young Indian actress. Oh, never have like, I ever. Never have I ever. Yeah. And so um, like they, they go through the culture is like really, I don't know, they just make it very captivating for the audience, but they also make sure that they're sensitive to the audience as well and the people who are engaging with it
0: well, I mean for for me, as a person that's south South Asian, like mm-hmm. South Indian specifically, like this is a better representation of one of the better pieces of representation that I would say that is a good introduction to North America. Um, I feel like obviously, there were some cringy parts. I don't necessarily know whether yeah. or not that was <laughs> associated with her just being a teenager and acting like a teenager. Right. But I feel like, you know, it gave a lot of context of what South Indian culture looks like and what, what that means to us and how in that, in that show specifically, you know, how she's basically a third culture kid, right? She's Mm -hmm. her, her parents are, are Tamil and she is American and she was raised American and she has those typical American values and she wants to embody that. But then she struggles with trying to trying to maintain both and find her identity through both. Right. Yeah. I just feel like that's that's a struggle that a lot of third culture kids have and a lot of like people of color have as well.
1: Yeah, I, I completely like agree with that. And I think I definitely align with that as well. And it was just, you know, that TV show as well as introducing Crazy Rich Asians, you know, just last year or maybe it was the year before as well. And having, um, you know, just watching with fresh eyes and watching it and realizing that you know, we've never seen a majority of these actors or actresses, but then using them to really create this beautiful art together and, you know, really make this outstanding piece of work and just, you know, show different sides of different cultures to Westerners is, it's refreshing.
2: Totally. I think a, part, a big part of it too is like, I mean, like Aquafina has been mm. making shit for so long. Like I remember actually I think I I found her music when I was like living in Shanghai and like she was in New York, but she she's been making really cool things for a long time. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, a Hollywood movie picks her up and yeah. she like zooms off. I think there's something too in um people needing to us as a culture or like as you know like all of North America needing to you know, learn that it's okay to not always only watch like what's on Netflix and like what's being like what somebody else has kind of curated for you. Something that I've been taking a lot more time to focus on is like watching like movies on criterion collection and watching independent cinema and, you know, like breaking down, you know, like not being afraid to watch something because it has subtitles. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many, so many cool things that exist that are out there that anybody has a phone, anybody can put something on YouTube and if you kind of like go down a path that you've never been down before, you'll find people sharing their stories, and you know less less through the, the lens of the ho- big Hollywood machine. I'm, I'm very anti Hollywood. I hope that doesn't affect me in the in the long run. By <laughs> <it here. laughs> but I just I yeah the theme is that it needs to reshape.
0: I, yeah, and we can we can actually see that evidenced by the fact the parasite won best picture last year, right? Or mm-hmm. wait, that was this year. Oh my god, this year's felt like was forever. It, this year? this <laughs> it was this year. Yeah, it wow. was this it was year. A fantastic
1: film, like regardless of like, yeah, that but
0: that phenomenal. The director, I I believe Sanctuary I don't Hall. remember. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, he he said I don't remember in which award speech, but he said, you know, once once everyone starts realizing that. This much like like this much piece of text is what's holding you back between watching mm-hmm. a really good movie. There are so many good movies and films out there that people need to consume that they would learn more about and open their perspective in the world, right? If by mm-hmm. watching that. And I think that that totally aligns with what Sierra just said, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. and I feel
1: like, you know, we have the access to all these different platforms as well, and we're able to go onto Netflix or go into Crave TV. And there are movies out there that are from different cultures and have different languages. And recently I was going down the rabbit hole of watching a lot of South Korean movies, like A Tale of Two Sisters. And then I was also watching this film, I think it was Spanish, it was called The Uninvited Guest. And that was like a psychological thriller on Netflix as well. But there are so many hidden gems as well that you can see on yeah on different platforms,
0: speaking of platforms, the platform was another example of a of a a Spanish language film that was on Netflix that I was just deeply, deeply disturbed by but I mean, like it was really interesting to watch too oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen
1: that. Isn't that where they're all um, they're all prisoners? But then you have this single platform that comes down with the food exactly. on top of it. Yeah, and it's sort of like a social commentary about like privilege consumption. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I highly recommend it though. It's a little yeah. bit gory, but I it's, recommend it. Yeah, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I wrote <them> both down. <laughs>
0: Um, I actually feel like um, this would be a good point in time. I, I know we're kind of like jumping back and forth. But mm-hmm. um, before, you know, when we were talking about perspective, and we we're talking about telling our story, by using your voice to speak out on a story or tell a story, sharing your experiences, how, how do you go about doing that fearlessly? Like, how do you go about just being confident, not giving a shit about what people think when you talk about what you want to talk about, whether it's controversial or not?
2: Well, first of all, I care so much about what other people think. And I think that the biggest, like my biggest roadblock in my entire life has been not letting that hold me back and I mean like this I've always I've always been described as outspoken and I think for me it's just because like if I don't talk about something I will explode I have I have to talk about what's (laughs) on my mind because I have to first of all untangle my thoughts like and I I mean that like very seriously like I, I see my brain as like a bowl of spaghetti and like I go into these wormholes talking about things putting them in words Having other people reflect them back to you in their own words, it just helps you feel human, helps you feel connected, helps you feel like, you know, there's a place for you in the world. But then two, people really appreciate seeing taboos be broken down. Like I got, Mm. so I have three Instagram accounts. I actually have more, but I have well, just for the purposes of this conversation. I have three. (laughs) I have more. (laughs) I have more. They're not, they're not active. They're not anything yet. I just need to like, you know, save the name um, for for future potential. But I have, I went through uh, a big breakup last year and I had just realized that I was, I was allowing my behavior to be determined by somebody who I cared very much about what they thought, but ultimately we just didn't have very aligning perspectives, but it it really affected the way that I was interacting with the world. I was interacting with people. And so I kind of took a step back after the relationship ended and I said, okay, I need to like, I'm not making jokes that I would usually make because I've been afraid of what they would think, or I've not been talking about, you know, this and that. So I ended up creating a, like a private, like a Instagram, like a, I think it's, I think it's fake Instagram, but it's like, it's very real. And I <laughs> invited, it's all, it's strictly no straight boys, but other people, like I, as long as I know them, I let them in and I just post there and I talk about, you know, mental health and I talk about like my ups, and my downs. And I just like, it's, it's a free for all. And that's been really therapeutic for me. Just to, you know, again, like be able to put it out into the world and have other people be like, I support you and I love you. And I think this is funny. And like, I think that when I talk about it, too, I think people that aren't on it expect that I'm just like crying on my video camera all the time. But it's really just like me being a total like goofball. But so I became a lot more comfortable being open about things there. And I've always been really open. But from there, I've taken more time to learn how to, again, like soften up my community and be able to talk about things just a little bit more openly and from there and there. And I am amazed every time that I, you know, have like butterflies in my stomach because I have posted something that's a little bit edgy and I'm worrying about, you know, like in part of the thing too, about having like a, any kind of Instagram account is you can see who's seeing your stuff. And you know there are people that I haven't talked to since eighth grade that used to you know be really mean to me on a daily basis that are looking at my stuff regularly, and you know I'm thinking about like you know what their perception is, and right. I just had to take some time away from again like letting that hold me back and take with it knowing that first of all who the f- cares <laughs> like nobody actually like people care but like everybody's influential in some way. And if you believe in your own influence, if you believe in the effect that you have on the world and what your potential is, that's all that really matters. And it's amazing how I'll write something about having a mental health dip and people will just be like, hey, thank you for just that like I get so many messages from people just saying like thank you for talking about this and I find it interesting that those people don't then just go around and immediately start talking about it and I think that that is a sign that we just generally need to become like that's why that's why I keep going that's why I keep talking because I'm like okay the work isn't totally done yet I guess I'm still scrubbing out space for us to talk about you know depression and anxiety and being the most horny (laughs) oh yeah that too (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I, it's definitely not to say that it's about like I think that there's a fallacy in saying like oh yeah you just have to not care about what people think Mm -hmm. I think that it's more just like learning to be confident in yourself and to trust yourself that's the big lesson I think took a long time took a long time
0: I I think that like I still struggle with that just Mm -hmm. trying to trying to not be so hard on myself and just I think it's like a the perfectionist streak in me that's just like Mm -hmm. oh man this is just gonna be shit if I put it out like it's just gonna it's not the best that I think I can put out and I am still working on that a day-to-day on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day basis and I think it has very much to do with like self-talk and just like being your own hype person like just being like hell yeah you know
1: yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's very inspiring just because, like, I am a huge perfectionist. So, whenever I try to create something or, you know, before I even post something on social media, I'm like, I'm overthinking it. And I'm like, what if people don't like this? Like, what if they think about this or if they have this kind of perspective? But I feel like we should just give less of a shit and just sort of speak openly and be more open with like our own opinions and stuff. And I think that's really interesting when you made that point about. You know, just talking about mental health things are not as great because, like, social media is a place where you usually post all your ups and all your highs, right? You know, it's such a huge taboo, even in in Asian cultures. And I'm sure we've discussed this before in previous episodes as well, but it's still to this day a huge taboo issue to discuss amongst family members. I know within my family, it's also been hugely discouraged to, to talk about. So I think it's very inspiring that you speak very openly about this and I wish that more people have the same mindset. So. I think we're moving towards that right now
2: too. Like I find, I I know that I keep everything kind of comes back to the same thing with me. I feel like, especially right now where it's just like, you know, we're like, why have we been told not to talk about the way that we're Mm -hmm. feeling? Like, why, you know, is it like, who is that benefiting? And like, maybe that has to do with like, if this person's making you feel that way, and that's the same person that doesn't want you to be talking about it. Like, I feel like the more that we talk about these things, the more that we can identify issues in our societies. And then two, we can just support each other. Like, I find that the more that I know what other people are going, like is going on with other people, Mm -hmm. or, you know, whoever else, or the more honestly, for me, like, if other people know what's going on with me, I just feel like I can live comfortably. And I'm just that much less anxious. Mm -hmm. But also on the topic of perfection, um, I heard the quote perfect is the enemy of good
0: and it changed my life. Yeah. I have not heard yeah. that until today, and you might have just changed my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mine too. Yeah. <laughs> Write it on like a post-it note and like keep it next to your desk. <laughs> I have many post-notes it as you can see. I do. <laughs> oh, you can see mine yeah. back here as well. I know, I know they I know that you mentioned all of the things as to like being confident not that not giving shit, but just owning your shit, basically. Mm-hmm. But totally, that's uh, it. by doing that, what do you find the most rewarding, putting it out there and doing the work to like make it opening up spaces for people to be honest and have discussions and connect on these topics. But what would you say if you could pinpoint a thing that is s- some of the most rewarding aspects of using your voice and owning your voice?
2: I think strictly like once you said the word own it like that is it like because I I think that there's something in owning your mistakes like that's I've had I've lived so many lives and I've made so many mistakes in my life and right now my big thing is like working through self-acceptance and a lot of being you know owning it is just being like okay yeah that's a thing that I did and this is how I learn from that and this is how I move forward and this is how I elevate anything that I'm doing with the first pancake with the, what I've learned from my previous experiences. Um, so I'd say, yeah, acceptance moving forward. And then also being open about that allows other people to learn from your mistakes as well, and hopefully be able to, you know, have a step up. And then that's how we all move up in the world. You know, when somebody tells me that I've said something that, made them think about something a different way, or it just made them feel like there was more of a community, um, or that they weren't alone, that it always takes me by surprise. And it always like, makes me feel really connected to somebody. It makes the big, big world feel a little bit smaller. Britain's Britain's my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: amazing. (laughs)
0: before before we actually finish our Mm. conversation today um Sierra would you like to kind of plug yourself and talk about your social media for a little bit yes sure
2: well okay so I as I said I have three social media accounts I will only let you into two of them (laughs) I (laughs) um so my main account is ZLARP that's Z-L-A-R-P that's where I'm really more a lot more comfortable right now I started another account called it's lawless spinster uh, lawless dot spinster. And that's kind of what I'm moving towards, but I'm still figuring out how I want to talk about that. I also, I was getting quite comfortable on that. And then I realized kind of the audience that I was speaking to and some of the things that I was going through, I, I needed to revert back to my, my OG, but so follow me on, follow me on lawless spinster, follow me on Zarp, follow me, don't whatever. But as I figure things out that's where I'll be posting um I also have a website sierrawilsonfur.com I have had the back end of it built for like months um and I'm gonna start once I'll I'll, I promise that I'll have something else on that posted once this drops um and then I'm working on fun side stuff I think I'm gonna launch a little t-shirt shop um and so that'll be on my website as well yeah, cool. like, this is, what I'm, so yeah, this is what I'm saying. I'm just like, I want to do a million things. And like, yeah, yeah I why not? Yeah, well, and it's just too, it's like, when, when, you know, like, when you really want something that looks one way, or when you really want, like, this is how I like to write for TV. Like, mm-hmm. if I I've wanted to see something, and it just doesn't exist yet. so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And so yeah, there's, there's some uh, apparel in that, in that dream as well. That's So, um, so exciting. I'll have one up. I'll, so I promise that I'll have my, my website flowing and I'll have one t-shirt up by the time that this podcast <laughs> drops. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's me. Sierra Wilson for
1: Lawless Spencer, ZLARP. ZLARP, not ZLARP. I'm on Twitter too. I'm on Twitter it's, it's too. It's ZLARP. Okay. <laughs> I think I've been like pronouncing it wrong this entire time, but ZLARP. Great. You're not the only one. Awesome. Well, yeah, just wrapping it up this week. Thank you so much for being our guest this week. Uh, we had tons of fun talking to you. This was awesome. We learned so much about you. Actually. A lot more than I knew before so this is really really exciting um same
0: here actually
1: yeah and it was just so neat to like have all of us talk about like screenwriting and creative writing and just like theater in general because I didn't realize we had all of this like collective knowledge together so it was just really interesting to um to have you all on board in this episode
0: so yeah and hopefully that inspires us to create something new hell yeah yeah awesome
1: let's do some
2: social distance movie making guys <laughs> <laughs> it was such a pleasure to be on thank you very much for having me thank you in such unprecedented times really
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> strange and difficult circumstances for sure <laughs> follow us on our socials at here to chitsock and instagram and we'll he- tune in with us next week
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right bye guys
1: bye, bye.